Welcome to the Soulful Cottage, where we dive into an eclectic mix of topics that include, but are not limited to, metaphysical spirituality, holistic wellness, and the paranormal. The Soulful Cottage encourages open dialogue, critical thinking, and a celebration of diverse perspectives. So come on in, grab your favorite beverage, and get cozy by the fire. The Soulful Cottage awaits you. Before we embark on our journey in this podcast, we want to emphasize the importance of your well-being. While the Soulful Cottage is dedicated to discussing metaphysical spirituality, holistic wellness, and the paranormal, we must underscore that the information provided here is for informational and entertainment purposes only. We are not licensed medical or mental health professionals, and the content shared in this podcast should not be considered a substitute for professional medical, psychological, psychiatric advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you are experiencing physical or mental health issues, we strongly encourage you to consult a qualified healthcare professional. Welcome to the Soulful Cottage. I'm Christine. And I'm Adela. Hey, Adela. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you today? I am fine. Um, I see you have a new setup. I do. I do. I am embracing the blanket fort that I loved as a child, actually. <laughs> oh, all cozied up in your closet in a blanket fort. Hey, what we'll do whatever for our listeners to try to make it the best listening experience we can. This is true. This is true. So what are we talking about today? We are going to talk about some goddesses. Ooh, yeah. I can't wait. So who do you have? So, actually, the goddess I'm going to be talking about today, her name is Santa Muerte. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, she is beloved by many south of the border. So, would you like to hear a little bit about this saint? Absolutely. I I don't really know anything about this. (laughs) Wonderful. I'm going to try to be as objective as possible and not be offensive. Okay. So... (laughs) If you know anything about the folk saint, Santa Muerte, it might be from TV shows like Breaking Bad or other popular portrayals that show drug traffickers worshiping at a shrine with a skeleton clothed in a bridal gown. That's the image that Mexican popular media presented for years. Death figures have been very common in Catholic imagery Since the 13th century, it arose for the terrifying experience of medieval European plagues. Spanish colonizers brought these plague images to the cultures of the lands that they invaded. There are other origins that I will uncover also as I continue. The cult of Santa Muerte is generally very similar to other saint worship in Mexican folk Catholicism. Now let me break here just one second because Mexican folk Catholicism has its roots in uh, the Catholic Church, but um, they are just a little bit away from a cathedral or something of that sort. So the folk Catholicism, if you if you will, um, kind of arose from the need of those uh, 
people who were in smaller towns. Oh, okay. I digress. Okay. Often the saint will become popular and widely worshipped at a particular place and time. As with this, Santa Muerte, some of these are not formal Cantonized saints. In fact, the Catholic Church wishes that they weren't around. Oh. But followers, oh yeah, wait and see. Followers may seek healing or other magical favors. Just as with other saints in folk Catholicism, devotees of Santa Muerte pray with the rosaries. Hmm. Okay. They go on pilgrimages and place offerings like apples, cigars, and candles on her altar. The cult also uses magical ritual derived from indigenous practices, as well as elements of spiritual spiritualism, excuse me, um, Western medicine, and New Age ideas about spiritual energy. Its cures may be lifting a curse, providing herbal, herbal remedy, or offer assistance for other prayers. While faith in Santa Muerte can be found in the Mexican organized crime world, as well as, I'm going to try to just be blunt here, as well as sex workers and in LGBTQ communities, it's also written that it is has close connections with a commercial, commercialized flavor of New Age spirituality. Worshippers can by an enormous variety of Santa Muerte merchandise, as well as products like Santa Muerte Tarot brands, so many things with her image on it. In fact, I looked while I was doing research and on Amazon, on Etsy, there is just absolute tons and tons really? of things. Yeah, things with her image. Um, uh, displayed on it. Despite a reputation as a death cult, and I gotta say, I don't like using the word cult, but this is what our writer provided for me. How about group? Um, group, group, I like that. <laughs> okay. uh, despite a reputation as a death group for criminals and drug, drug traffickers. <laughs> well, I don't know if that one works either. <laughs> What? I don't know if that one works either. It sounded kind of oh. weird. <laughs> it sounded weird, right? Yeah, it did. Like, where's the Kool-Aid? Yeah, no. yeah exactly. We'll go with cult, but I don't want to offend anybody. Just know that I, I understand you. <laughs> Sancho Muerte has surged in popularity and taken on an increasingly predominant and polemic role in the Day of the Dead festivities held on the 1st and 2nd of November. Now, you've heard of the Day of the Dead festivities. Yes, I have, because I collect sugar skulls. <gasps> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Katie does. Oh, yeah? She does. She does. I'll have to connect with her. We'll have to compare our collections. Oh, she'd love that. <laughs> so, the Santa Muerte is also known as the Bony Lady. The followers say her appeal lies in her non-judgmental nature and her supposed ability to grant wishes in return for pledges and offerings. 
it is widely mis a misunderstood faith. It's not a satanic mass, says this gentleman. His name is Mr. Santana, a long-lived devotee who has officiated at Santa Muerte temples across Mexico since 2010. She gives people what they want, and when they finish their cycle of life here on Earth, she comes for their souls, says Mr. Santana. She's just fulfilling God's order, he says. So when she comes for souls, it's more like a goddess, uh, like Hecate, for example. Okay. Who brings them to the, the next phase where their energy goes after they pass. So it's not like she takes them someplace dark and crazy. Right. Unless they are a dark and crazy person. So she's more like a guide. A transitional guide. Yeah, like a transitional guide. And many times when you see her, she has the sickle of death in her hand. Okay. So, reclaiming the day of the dead. According to Andrew Chestnut, author of Devoted to Death, Santa Muerte, the Skeleton Saint, this is the fastest growing religion in the Americas with an estimated 10 to 12 million followers. Oh, wow. Worldwide. I didn't realize it was that big. Wow. It is. Uh, Mr. Chestnut says more and more devotees have started incorporating Santa Muerte into Day of the Dead celebrations over the past five years. Although many Mexicans see no connection between the two, both are brought to stem from, hmm, I'm going to slaughter this. I'm really sorry. Mitekatechutl, uh, an Aztec goddess who presided over the, a festivity of death every August. How do you spell that? Okay, it's M I C T E C A. C I H U A T L. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to try it? No. Okay. I should have wrote it down. I didn't write it down. And I don't really know Spanish, so. And, and I do, but <laughs> it did not help me during that. <laughs> uh, after conquering Mexico in the 16th century, the Spanish encouraged locals to honor the deceased of All Souls Day, leading to the emergence of the Day of the Dead as fusion with Catholic and indigenous beliefs came together. Mr. Chestnut says devotees have begun to recognize Santa Muerte as the reincarnation of the Aztec goddess and reclaim the Day of the Dead as her unofficial feast day, provoking what he says is a huge panic within the Catholic Church. The Vatican has repeatedly denounced Santa Muerte in the lead up to the Day of the Dead in recent years, while Catholic bishops in the United States joined in the condemnation for the first time this year. Santa Muerte is particularly popular among most marginalized sectors of society, including including migrants and the LGBTQ 
us community. During the Sunday service, Mr. Santana reads prayers for street children, addicts, convicts, single mothers, the unemployed, and the disabled. And if you think about this, you kind of understand the draw. Yeah, absolutely. Because during, I mean, we were both brought up Catholic. Mm -hmm. So during my experience, at least, it seemed like they didn't, they kind of wanted to ignore the subcultures. Yeah. Well, it wasn't pretty and shiny. And they no. wanted pretty and shiny and money. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> Worshippers ask Santa Muerte for economic prosperity and less violent crimes. Everyone has their own beliefs and their way of living. We're very open here, says a temple or an owner Miguel and Pal Limus. Sometimes people come to her because they don't believe in other saints, Mr. Oh. Limus added. Interesting. It all, right? Mm-hmm. It all depends on how strong your faith is. If you believe in her, she'll listen to you. Yeah. In Mexico, the government routinely orders the destruction of public roadside shrines to Santa Muerte. Oh, jeez. The government right it's it's a way to control in my opinion yeah the government says they are built without permission on public land and give the area a bad image what the heck i know right it's a widely misunderstood faith it is precisely the destruction of some 30 shrines in the city of Nuevo Laredo by the Mexican army in March of 2009. Jeez. That's that's awful. Right? It inspired an author to quit work on a book about Mexico's patron saint, the Virgen de Guadalupe. You've probably heard of her before. Mm. And take up his book about Santa Muerte. Good for him. Yeah. The fact that the former Mexican president, Felipe Calderon, saw her as a big enough threat to send the army in with bulldozers was pretty extraordinary, the author said. That sounds pretty extreme. Right? Huh. As I researched for this podcast, I found that the resources that I engaged with stated the information that I just provided our listeners. Continuously and repetitively, I found these articles to have the same clear and concise statements. I have also found that the articles brought about regarded Santa Muerte from the Catholic Church resources to be very repetitive also. Here's an excerpt from one such article. You're going to like this. This is Okay. National Catholic Register 2023. Oh. Beware of the cult of Santa Muerte. Texas bishops warned against dangerous satanic perversions of devotion to Saint Death. People are also always looking for a new devotion as a way of acquiring something for themselves. This is the reflection of Bishop Michael Pfeiffer of San Angelo, Texas. 
illustrating a danger spoken about in the Catholic Church that is focusing prayers on gifts rather than the giver, as they're describing it. But the bishop warned, warning is particularly dire because it was made in reference to a fast-growing satanic cult disguised in the terminology of Catholic devotion. It's this cult of Santa Muerte, Saint Holy Death, and it promises devotees all kinds of things. People turn to this devotion for worldly help, for money, material benefits, even to commit crimes and to keep from being caught for their terrible deeds. So it's really a devotion to Satan to gain material favors, money, privilege, and power, explained Bishop Pfeiffer, who has spent years speaking out against this growing phenomenon. I just want to say that I definitely am not bashing any faith. I just researched these articles and um, found them very easily. So anybody can do their research too. But um, all right, with both of these positions stated, which sounds more peaceful to you? Oh, and who is condemning? Yeah, no kidding. Like, wow. Right? I'm not stating that one philosophy or belief is correct above another. Actually, I'm urging listeners to research all the information that is available, both positive and negative, and I guarantee that the truth shall be found simply somewhere in the middle. So that's my goddess of choice for this week. I mean, everybody can take that as they would like, but I think um, it's very important to state different people who might be on the verge of society, not quite mainstream, not quite accepted, that they have something to to go to. Right. Now, Absolutely. I have seen... Yeah, and I have seen those temples before. Oh, yeah. When, when I was in Mexico, yes. Um, I never felt uncomfortable. Um, one article I actually read, it was a pregnant mother who prayed to Santo Muerte because her first pregnancy, um, she lost the child. So, you know, she would leave offerings to Santa Muerte. And I like to think that Santa Muerte picks up people like the single mother in her hands and, and helps her and yeah. gives her peace. Right. I mean, everybody deserves peace. Absolutely. And if they don't resonate with a particular way or a vision of what they think a goddess should be, why does this scare everybody so or bother them so much well because it's a lot of it's the unknown true true i think everybody deserves to find something that gives them peace like you said absolutely and uh, i think everybody all religions have a peace a general peace in it that is based on the same belief there's there's always at least one common thing that doesn't change. Right, right. 
I mean, for these people. Yeah, I don't know. Still... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> did, no, no, no. When you were in school, oh no, you didn't go to Catholic school, did, did you? Never mind. No, didn't but you? I did Catholicism classes. Did they talk about different religions in that class? No. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not saying one is better than another or one is the right way because I think everybody needs to kind of find their own way. Absolutely. And there is a common thread through all the religions. We really, if you think about it, we all believe in a higher power. We just have different ways of honoring that. And yeah. And, uh, you know, instead of saints, other religions call them goddesses Mm -hmm. or gods. So it's, it's not as difficult as people make it. No, no. And it's really sad. It's a cause of a lot of wars. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know there's a lot more about uh, Santa Muerte that I could have um, spoken to, but just the the tension between is just, it just got me. Yeah. That's really interesting. I've, I've never really... The more you talked about her story, I was like, oh, maybe I have, but I've just never really learned a lot about her. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And there's there's tons of TV shows and, uh, and take everything with a grain of salt. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, I have, I have the goddess slash saint, Bridget. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So Bridget is a solar deity associated with the beginning of spring and is one of the most popular Celtic goddesses. Her name means High One or the Exalted One. Imagery depicts her as a fire-haired goddess wearing a sunbeam cloak. She was born at sunrise with rays of sunlight radiating from her head. Her nicknames include Fiery Arrow, the Bright One, Lady of the Sacred Flame, the Powerful One, or Bright Arrow. Oh, I like Fiery Arrow. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Celtic gods and goddesses were manifestations of nature and the elements, which were often chaotic. Celtic goddesses were multidimensional and often fierce, demanding, sexual, vengeful, instead of being solely depicted as peaceful or nurturing. So what is Bridget the goddess of? The symbolism behind Bridget can sometimes be mysterious and contradictory which creates a beautifully complex goddess. Bridget is the goddess of poetry, divination, knowledge, creativity, and the anvil and forge for smithing. Not only is she a goddess of battle, fire, and death, but also healing, fertility, love, sacred wells, and water. She protects domesticated animals, cemeteries, and abandoned children while simultaneously defying authority. She sounds like my girl. <laughs> I like it. Absolutely. You had me at graveyard. <laughs> Bridget in the pagan holiday of Imbolc. Imbolc, meaning in the belly, is associated with ooze milk and begins at sundown on February 1st until nightfall on February 2nd. Imbolc is a fire festival that celebrates the home and the halfway point between winter solstice and the spring equinox. The overall intentions of the spiritual meaning of Imbolc are transformations, purification, fresh beginnings, and celebrating the return of the light. The goddess Bridget is honored during this holiday due to her connection with the spring and the story involving her chasing away winter. 
One winter, the Kaliak kidnapped and imprisoned Bridget in a mountain called Ben Nevis. The Kaliak symbolizes winters, storms, and brings darkness and gloom every year. Bridget was freed from her captivity by her brother Angus on Imbolc. Furious, the Kaliak created massive storms, but Bridget still made her escape from the woman who had ruled the land since Samhain, and only spring to return once more. So here are some of Bridget's symbols. The anvil, which is rep represents smithing and metalwork. The oak tree, which is a sacred, a sacred. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's huh. a new word that we decided yes. to use today. Sacred is actually a sacred Celtic tree. Uh, a grove was originally at the site of Kildare Church. Bridget's cross. It represents life, wealth, and prosperity. Milk, since ooze come into milk during early February. Flames, waters, and wells. The animals associated with Bridget are the raven. Ooh, I like it. During, yeah. during early February, this is the first bird to start nesting. The oxen, symbolic of fae and men. The ooze portraying her connection with the powerful lamb, Crip. Kirib, how do you spell that? Or spell that? How do you say that? C I R B. Curb. Maybe my dyslexia wanted to say crib, <laughs> but that's <laughs> apparently not right. <laughs> I could see where you want to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I Boars representing her enchanted wild boar. Here we go again. Twife, trife, as well as Celtic beliefs that boars symbolize bravery and shape shifting. I never knew that about boars. Shape-shifting? Trife. No. Trife. Okay, I'm going out on a limb here. Okay. They sniff out truffles. Oh, the boars do. Oh, that's true. Interesting. Sorry. I, I went... No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and snakes, due to its connection with a renewal and new life. The colors associated with Bridget are red, orange, and gold, representing glowing solar energy or the hearth fire. Blue, representing tranquil and healing water energy. White, representing purity, milk, and the snow typically on the ground during early February. Green, due to her association with the earth and the fae. What is Bridget's cross? I have a really cool, and if you're listening to this podcast, Ruth, thank you again. A friend of mine made me like a Bridget's Cross and actually a Cornhusk Valley, too. Nice. Yeah, it's very nice. She did a beautiful job on it. So thank you, Ruth, if you're listening. <laughs> so what is Bridget's Cross? The geometric symbol is often confused as a Christian symbol, but it has much older roots. Bridget's Cross is multidimensional and believed to be pagan sawn wheel. Using rushes, reeds, brown paper, pipe cleaners, wire, or lavender stems, you can create your own. Is the goddess Bridget a triple goddess? You'll often see mm. Bridget confusingly portrayed as three identical women, making people wonder if she's a triple goddess. It's only in more recent years that the goddess Bridget emerged in triple form. This is possibly due to the ancient Celt's spiritual sacredness of the number three, and its association with the divine. The most likely theory stems from Ireland, where there was a belief that Badagda had three identical daughters with the same names. However, 
Each was associated with a different aspect, including healing, smith work, and poetry. So Bridget offerings. If you include Bridget the goddess, Bridget, sorry, if you include the goddess Bridget in your spiritual practice, it's customary to make offerings to her. Some suggest, suggested offerings include milk, fire elements such as candles with corresponding colors, bonfire or sunlight, water elements like a water fountain or moon water, grain, herbs representing fire like cayenne or cinnamon, or water, you could use chamomile, lavender, or mugwort, creative offerings such as poetry, art, music, food, or whatever you enjoy making, a corn doll, flowers, coins, and any in bulk spiritual correspondences. There are many ways you can celebrate the goddess Bridget. Here are a few suggestions. You can make a Bridget's cross. You can practice fire or water scrying. You can burn a candle for Bridget. Dedicate a spring egg ritual to Bridget. Read poetry or create your own. Create a corn doll. Make a healing salve or herbal remedy like fire cider. Spend time in nature, especially near wells or sacred waters. Set up a water fountain and take care and honor your home. Sacred Wells of the Goddess Bridget. Many of these sacred wells blend Celtic pagan ideas with Christian beliefs and are renowned for their abilities to heal physically, mental, and spiritual illness. Those seeking healing at one of Bridget's sacred wells will hang a piece of their clothing on the tree, hoping that the ailment will be removed from their bodies and into the tree. You may also see bits of cloth called clodies tied to trees or placed on stones. So, who is Saint Bridget? The ancient Celts did not record written documents and relied on oral retellings. They believed written accounts might be misunderstood. Throughout time, many Celtic deities, it's believed there, there were hundreds of them, by the way, were forgotten or vanished as Christianity spread. The handful of deities who did make it into the written history did so through the perspectives, inter interpretations, and writing of ancient Greeks, Romans, and Christian monks and historians. This doesn't mean they were entirely inaccurate, but it does make it challenging to know the authentic Celtic beliefs compared to what may have been added later in history. It's generally believed that St. Bridget's Cathedral in Kildare, Ireland, was crafted on Pagan Shrine near an oak grove, where an everlasting claim to honor and respect the pagan goddess Bridget was maintained. It's essential to know oak trees and everlasting fires are not generally devoted to Catholic saints. However, it is quite common in Celtic spiritual beliefs. The story of Bridget the Druidess. Is that how you pronounce that? Druidess? Dru Dru Druidess, yes. Druidess? Druidess. Druid. I feel like I'm, it sounds weird coming in my mouth. Okay. <laughs> a Druidess woman took care of the pagan shrine in Kildare, Ireland, and later led, it, led its transition from pagan to Catholic. Prominent Druidesses, <laughs> that's a <laughs> tongue twister for me, or influential Celtic women, which were judges, teachers, healers, etc., were often referred to as Bridget out of respect and honor. So it's believed that the Druidess was also given a title, given the title of Bridget. So that's interesting. A little confusing, but interesting. 
That's really cool, though. So pretty much women, Celtic women that were up there were called Brigid as out of respect. That's interesting. It's very cool. Yeah. This clever and tenacious woman found a way to protect a sacred space that would inevitably shift or be destroyed by Christian religions and beliefs. According to legend, the bishop, and I'm going to totally, Ibor, I-B-O-R, I've never heard of him, but performing the liturgical rite, read from the wrong passage and gave Bridget a status of power unheard of for women, the title Bishop of Kildare. Even in contemporary Catholicism, if the story is true, it was almost certainly not an accident. Judas is a commonly held high post, although nuns did not. To keep the respected Judases in a powerful position would have been to their church's advantage, strengthening alliances with the local population. After her death, she became St. Bridget. Even in the new faith, Bridget remained exalted. The story of Bridget enslaved to a saint. Another story states, Bridget was born to a Christian slave mother and a wealthy pagan father who named her after the goddess Bridget. Bridget bathed in milk as soon as she was born. She refused to eat anything impure and only drank the milk of white-skinned, red-eared cow. In Celtic legend, legend, an animal with white skin or hair and red ears was thought to be an otherworldly or fey creature. Despite being a rich man, her father kept Bridget and her mother as enslaved people. Bridget grew up tending her father's farm, baking, washing, and caring for the domestic animals. She was well known for giving away all her possessions and her ability to care for the poor people. When Bridget reached the age of 18, her father tried to marry her or sell her to a slave to the king of Leinster. Sorry. The king was in awe of Bridget's virtue and removed her father's authority and power over her. According to the late 11th century Liber Hymnorium manuscript, Bridget was gifted the land in Kildare, Ireland by the king of Leinster to start her monastery called Sildara, or Kildara, excuse me, which meant cell of the oak. When she took her vows to become a nun, the bishop de- defied Christian protocol by ordaining her as a female bishop. So it's kind of a little bit of a different story than the first one, but so who knows which way it went, but she's a bishop of Kildare. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. There are many legends about St. Bridget and her ability to work miracles. Some claim she helped restore the sight of a blind nun named Dara through prayer. Other legends state that she transformed bath water into ale and supplied enough for 18 churches, all from one barrel. This is why she is the patron saint of beer. Now, my husband really loved that when I told him that. So That's cool. I think John would really like it, too. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Another legend claims that St. Bridget performed a holy abortion on a nun who had broken her vow of celibacy and became pregnant. Bridget cleansed and blessed the woman's womb, and the fetus vanished without suffering or childbirth. There are also many stories of her breathing life into stillborn babies. St. Bridget is also known as, oh, here we go, more pronunciation, Nirna Nagel, which I totally slaughtered, sorry, I apologize, which means Mary of the Gale. Some legends claim that she was a midwife for Jesus Christ. Although she was born hundreds of years later, this shows how the Goss Bridget and St. Bridget's stories are woven together throughout history. What is St. Bridget's Day? St. Bridget's Day is celebrated by many long-standing traditions and rituals on February 1st. Many children are taught how to make St. Bridget's crosses in school or at home a few 
a few days before St. Bridget's Day. These crosses are then carried to the church on St. Bridget's Day to be blessed. Once blessed, Bridget's crosses are placed in people's homes, such as their kitchens, doorways, windows, for a year, and are thought to be for are, excuse me, and are thought to provide protection and good luck. New ones are created the following year, and the old ones are destroyed in a fire. Another tradition takes place on the eve of St. Bridget's Day and involves people leaving clothing outside of their homes to be blessed by St. Bridget for the healing powers of good luck. The clothing can later be worn by those suffering from illness. Another custom designates a household member to extinguish the home's fire and brush the ashes flat and even. The next morning, they search for any imprints on the ashes, indicating Bridget visiting during the night or early morning. These beliefs likely stem from ancient pagan spiritual practices because these traditions are not found within the Christian stories of St. Bridget. This further shows the integration of Bridget the Goddess into the Christian beliefs of St. Bridget. So, this one, this next part I think you'll find interesting, Adela, this is kind of down your lane. Is Bridget connected to Voodoo? Loa, how do you pronounce that? L-O-A, Loa, Maman? L-O-U-A. L-O-A. I don't want to slaughter this for the people that actually, you know, that practice this. So L-O-A, I think it's Loa Maman. Laman? Maman. M-A-M-A-N. So I apologize, listeners, if you um, practice this and I totally slaughtered it. it I no intention to. Um, the connection between Bridget and Maman Bridget is asked about frequently. So I'll give a quick summary of the history without expanding into practices or rituals. In the 1600s, as European nations grew throughout the Caribbean, Landowners were looking for cheap workers to give them massive profits. The Irish and Scottish people were promised transportation for years of free manual labor known as indentured servitude. They would be fed, housed, and once their terms were complete, they would be free to leave, create their own opportunities, and purchase land. However, this was far from reality, and they frequently suffered horrible working conditions and death from disease and hunger and alternative and alternatively, excuse me, Africans were enslaved and forced to do physical labor on plantations without the hope of ever becoming free. Indentured servants lived and labored beside enslaved people from Africa, and while under these horrific circumstances, these two cultures shared and discussed their spiritual practices and ideas. Several Catholic saints gained new roles in the voodoo faith, including St. Bridget, Maman Bridget, a powerful Loa of death, uh, and she remember she looks over cemeteries as well, and who lives in an oak tree. That's that cool. is what I have on the goddess slash Saint Bridget. That is pretty neat. I didn't know some of that. That's yeah. cool. She's pretty kick ass. She is. Yeah. I like her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually reading a book on her right now, um, and I totally forgot the name i think it's just bridget something but um it's really good really good book i love learning more about the different goddesses yeah and i like um i love learning how they intertwine with different cultures and different religions too that's that fascinates me absolutely yeah so listeners if there's like a saint or a goddess or someone that you'd like us to cover reach out connect with us you can reach us at the soulful cottage at gmail.com um I, there's also a lot of links 
in the show notes, different ways that you can connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, take care and blessings. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you for spending time with me at the Soulful Cottage. I would love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes. Feel free to reach out to the Soulful Cottage at thesoulfulcottage at gmail.com. Join and share the Soul Shift Wellness Facebook group and visit www.soulshiftsanctuary.com. If you've enjoyed the content of this podcast, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform, as well as liking, following, and sharing the content and subscribing to the podcast. Your feedback encourages the Soulful Cottage and helps others find the show. Until next time, I wish you love and light. Bye for now.